Shout Out is a registered charity and we work all across Ireland delivering workshops to young people. We deliver workshops in schools to teachers, to parents and guardians, youth workers and even workplaces because eventually you'll end up working there too and we want those to be inclusive spaces for you. For 10 years now, since 2012, we've been delivering workshops in secondary schools across the island of Ireland to tackle LGBTQ plus bullying. And we've done over 2,000 student workshops over the past eight school years, speaking directly to over 60,000 students. In Shoutout, we use our on-the-ground experience of speaking with young people to inform all of our training modules, which we also deliver to teachers, parents, guardians, social workers, youth workers and in workplaces. If you believe in inclusion through education and you want to learn more, book a workshop for your school or for staff and you can learn more at www.shoutout.ie. Hi, you're listening to Shout Out Listen In. Shout Out Listen In. Shout Out Listen In. Thought we gave stuff Shout Out Listen In. Shout Out Listen In. In both our workshops and on this podcast, members of the LGBTQ community share their own personal stories, which can lead to open conversations about both the positive and the negative experiences of being LGBTQ. We are aware that these stories can be triggering for people at times. So please be gentle and cautious when listening and always reach out for help if you feel you need it. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Shout Out Listen In. Today's episode is about gender and we will be discussing gender identity, gender expression, pronouns, gender euphoria and more. My name is Jenny Duffy, my pronouns are she, her and I am a volunteer with Shout Out. I also work in equality, diversity and inclusion in higher education. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dara Dempsey, Education Officer with Tenny, the Transgender Equality Network, Ireland. Welcome, Dara. Will you please introduce yourself for our listeners? Yep. Thanks, Jenny. Hi, my name is Dara. Um, my pronouns are they, them. And as you mentioned, I am the Education Officer at Tenny, the Transgender Equality Network, Ireland. Um, and I'm happy to be joining you today. Brilliant. So first of all, I'd love to discuss gender identity and gender expression. Everyone experiences both of these, whether they're cisgender or transgender. And the way I usually describe it is gender identity is how you feel on the inside and gender expression is how you portray that on the outside and show yourself to the world. Would you be able to expand on this and how both gender identity and expression can change and evolve over time? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you have a great way of putting it just there around um, how those two things are different and very related. Um, I think, as you said, everybody has both a gender identity and a form of gender expression. And um, gender identity is the gender with which you identify or anybody identifies, um, you know, so to do with like your kind of personal sense of yourself and you know your whether you identify say as like a woman or a man or in my case as non-binary um, or as a different gender or no gender and so it's it's very kind of personal and it's to do with that part of your personality and kind of like what feels right for you um when you think about who you are and then gender expression is um how you express that how we all kind of express that I guess through you know clothes and hair and makeup and all kinds of like things that we would think of in terms of how you look um but also ways that we act ways that we behave ways that we talk that we stand that we use our hands like all that kind of stuff is all um often super gendered and you know would be ways of, of looking or acting or behaving that we think of as masculine or feminine um typically only those two options um ways of kind of interacting with the world um and i think the way that um those two things interact can often be very like similar and, and really hard to to distinguish between particularly for people who are cisgender so if you're not trans and if your gender identity and your gender expression kind of flow sort of seamlessly together um it can be quite difficult to sort of pull those two things apart and to think about how they inform each other and um, if you've never kind of needed to think about it before whereas i guess for trans people who maybe have a slightly more um intimate relationship i guess with thinking about how, thinking about our gender identities and thinking about how they might change over time, but then also thinking about how we might consciously or unconsciously try to change the way that we're expressing ourselves to maybe fit in a bit more with the gender that we identify as. Um, I think we kind of develop a much keener sense for um, how we're expressing ourselves, how we how we look, how we dress, 
um, and how other people are perceiving us as well. So the gender expression piece is really important. And I think it's really important in terms of um, for that individual person, for everybody to be able to express themselves in a way that feels authentic and true and genuine. But then also it's important because it is typically the area of your gender in which like other people interact, I guess. Um, and you get a sense of like how other people perceive you and what they might think when they look at you or, you know, talk to you or whatever. So um, it's also kind of the piece that can be maybe the most tense or the most fraught and um, depending on how if, if your gender expression is, is changing or how you kind of you're trying to um trying to express yourself I guess to other people absolutely and I think having that freedom to express yourself the way you want and to be your authentic self is so important and I love how you describe that yeah and I think um you know, being open as well to how that might change over time is is really important. Um, I think particularly for younger people as well. Um, you know, just kind of something for, that's happened for me definitely, and and I think for lots of people is is, you know, um, the way that we express ourselves and what we want to express about ourselves changes hugely, like over the course of your lifetime. And I don't have a particularly long view on that um, yet. But, you know, like, to, and it's to do with your gender and it's to do with like all other parts of your personality as well. And it's to do with kind of every single part of who you are. And we're all like multifaceted people. So mm -hmm. I think um, sometimes I think we, we only ever talk about expression in a gendered way, um, but there's so much more to it. Um, and I think it's just important to be able to like look at the kind of broadness and the complexity of it. And also maybe sometimes as well to like not have to take ourselves too seriously and, and to, to feel free to kind of change how we are expressing ourselves or kind of explore different ways of, you know, looking or behaving or whatever. Um, and to to have space to do that and not feel like we need to, you know, have all the answers right away, I think is also really important. Definitely. I think for everyone, it's something that evolves over time and there's a lot of joy and freedom to be found in exploring that in different ways of expression. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, something that I, I think a lot, if you think about, say, younger people, mm -hmm. maybe I'm, I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking definitely particularly about myself and like maybe my sort of slightly more awkward teenage years <laughs> and, the, and the kinds of like experimentation, looking back on it, that I was doing with the ways that I was looking, the way that I was dressed, like my, the hair, the makeup, like whatever I was doing. And um, and I think sometimes we, we see that for young people. Um, and then and then everybody kind of maybe figures out a little bit about themselves or like grows up or matures a bit or like whatever. Um, and we kind of settle into the way that we're that we want to look or behave. Um, and then I think sometimes for trans people, particularly if you come out, say, after you've gone through that maybe teenage phase, um, you know, there there kind of is that almost that um, you kind of enter into that space again where you are kind of figuring it all out again, maybe for the first time mm. um, and exploring it all again. And I think it can be quite daunting and quite vulnerable to step into that as like slightly older person I guess um or when you maybe you are doing that and other people around you are not in that similar life phase um but it's also um you know I just think it's great when people are able to to step into that and and to not be maybe too afraid of what other people are going to think um, and to be able to kind of hold on to like the the affirmation and the joy that is there in looking at and rethinking how you mm. want to come across the world or how you want to express yourself and to find a, a, a type of expression that really does feel true and genuine for you um, takes time and it takes experimentation and, and play um, for want of a better word, I guess, you know, and I, and I think, um, yeah, I, th I think it's great when people are able to do that. I think play is a lovely word. And I know today we want to really focus on we're going to be talking later about gender euphoria and we want to think about that that joy and I think it's a really wonderful thing to see when someone is being their true authentic self and when you see someone that you know really being able to express themselves the way they want to. Yeah yeah and and then as well you know seeing how people change I think mm. as well as maybe as they go go through a transition you know or through a phase of transition because it's not yeah. like a once and done thing I guess but you know and, and and I definitely have had say friends of mine or even maybe maybe more like more like acquaintances friends acquaintance people like kind of at various levels of uh, friendship and I and I see how they change as they go through mm -hmm. maybe some parts of their transition or like a social transition you know or or say they change their name or their pronouns or their clothes or hair or style of dress whatever it is and 
it's kind of wonderful to be invited into like knowing that person in a different kind of way and to be invited into a different sense of themselves, you know, and, and for them to say like, actually, you know, you've, you've always seen me in one particular way. And actually this is now what I want to express and seeing somebody, you know, totally change up their style and totally change up their look and everything. And I just think it's wonderful to be able to have that view of that person and, and to get to know them in a better way too. Um, so it's, it's really wonderful um, when you can kind of make that, like you have, I see that happening for someone else um, as well as when it's happening for you, I guess. It is. I think it's such a, a special and meaningful thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So in my work in equality, diversity and inclusion, I get a lot of questions about pronouns. And I think it's something that many people are unsure about that they want to do and say the right thing, but they get a bit nervous. So I always say as well, like with gender identity and expression, we all have pronouns every individual person does and I think it's a bit of a misconception that it's just something to do with transgender or non-binary people but pronouns are a word that we use to refer to someone without using their name so she her he him and they them and I was wondering what advice you could give for people who are maybe wanting to use pronouns but not sure about it or afraid of making mistakes yeah um this is something I get questions about all the Mm. time as well and similarly, to echo your point of like, we only ever think about pronouns when we're thinking about trans people and um, or talk about them if we think there's a trans person in the room or whatever. And it's the only time the pronoun conversation ever comes up. Um, but as I said, everybody, pretty much everybody has pronouns, I guess. I have known people who don't like any pronoun um, used for them. Um, you know, and I say, I would say probably quite, quite rare. Okay, um, but in yeah. general, people have pronouns. Um, and certainly, I guess for... If we're, if we're talking like the majority of people who are cis people, um, you know, they have pronouns and that they are used to people using for them and that they never need to specify it because they're used to people guessing correctly which mm. pronoun to use based on how they look, which is, you know, not a privilege that trans people can always enjoy. Um, and certainly for me, as someone who uses they, them pronouns, like it, it's quite rare for anybody to correctly guess my pronoun um, because I think it's just not that much in people's minds. Mm. So I'm always very conscious that I will probably always have to specify what pronoun I want people to use for me um, if I want them to use the correct pronoun. And I think there's a piece where, you know, for for you, for say for me as the individual trans person or for any individual trans person, like you do have to kind of choose when and where you do that. Um, and it can be quite a stressful thing to disclose, especially, um, you know, I, I guess it kind of depends on if, if disclosing your pronoun um, is also kind of disclosing that you are trans, which mm. it typically is. Um, that can be very sensitive information and it totally depends on the context in which you might feel comfortable or uncomfortable doing that. I think particularly in terms of workplaces, you know, um, where you have trans people who are, you know, generally um, very unemployed or under or underemployed um, or maybe in um, precarious employment. And then also where trans people are, you know, um, extremely likely to experience transphobic harassment or, you know, jokes or comments or discrimination or whatever it might be so I think it's really important for other people cis people within the workplace to and or any kind of organization I guess but to um you know to to be aware of the uh tension that there can be for people around the pronouns for the individual trans person in terms of the fear of bringing up the pronouns piece Um, and I think and I always really encourage other people allies and, and and anybody really um within a space to bring up the pronouns first and I think the best way that you can do that and something that I really encourage doing is to share your own pronouns you know and and especially if you have somebody um whose pronouns you're not sure of um I would always encourage you to share your own pronouns um and that kind of invites them to share theirs when they are ready to do that rather than kind of directly asking somebody or putting them yeah. on the spot particularly in a group setting um because they just might not be ready to share that with you and like that's okay um and they just might not know what the you know how it's going to be received I guess and so if they and I, I know for me as a trans person like if I was in say a new workplace with a whole bunch of people I didn't know and a team that I didn't know and I didn't know what the you know reception was going to be like but I saw other people sharing their pronouns that signals to me that you know those people know about this stuff 
um, they have thought about how it relates to them and that they're sharing their personal information um, in terms of the pronoun and inviting me into doing that same thing without kind of directly putting me on the spot. And I think it's it's a re- there's a really, really important piece in terms of the, like even I guess sometimes the power dynamic that there can be mm. where one person has to share their pronouns if they want the right pronouns to be used and other people don't have to do that. And something that I'm always you know, really conscious of trying to say to people is like, if you want someone to share their pronouns, you should be open to sharing yours too. And you should be able to, and open and ready to kind of step into that sort of vulnerability with them instead of just asking them to do it. Yeah. Um, especially because if you are cis, it's probably not scary necessarily for you to share your pronouns. Um, it might feel weird to do it, but it, it, it doesn't probably come with any fear of repercussion or stigma or discrimination, um, which it might do for the trans person. So I'm really, uh, in case you couldn't tell, I'm hugely in favor of um, of other people sharing their pronouns as a way to kind of kickstart the pronoun conversation as much as possible. So that would be my big piece of advice um, is around sharing pronouns. And I guess you can do that, um, you know, verbally when you introduce yourself mm-hmm. is a great way of doing it particularly like in meetings or, you know, like meeting new teams or kind of generally in the workplace. Um, but you could also put it in your email signature and in your display name on Zoom and like all kinds of places. I guess LinkedIn bios, I think you can do it now and like Instagram and everywhere. So um, yeah, there's loads of ways that you can share your pronouns and I strongly encourage people to do it if you're comfortable doing it. Brilliant. And it's so important, as you said, that bit of being an ally and for cis people to take on some of that work of introducing pronouns or of explaining what pronouns are to other colleagues yeah um, and that's something I would always encourage people to do to you should be taking on some of that work some of that explaining and if there's a colleague or um, we do a lot of work in schools with shout out if someone in your class is misgendering someone else you should be calling that out as well and not just leaving the person to be the to have the full weight and responsibility of trying to get people to address them correctly when it's so much more personal and more of a burden for them yeah and I think there sometimes can be almost like a fear or a worry for allies yeah who don't want to bring up the pronoun thing because they think that it's not theirs sort of or they don't want to kind of encroach um almost on the pronoun conversation and I and I can completely understand that but I, I think it's an unfounded fear and I think it, mm. it definitely is something that we need more and more people to be talking about um I was having a conversation with a group of students today about kind of um for allies like how 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 do you find the line between you know showing up and taking action and speaking out about things and making sure that you're not speaking over other people mm. and I think we have this um really clear I, I think I think there has been more and more conversation in the last I guess few years a few decades about you know making sure that we're not speaking over people who are directly affected by whatever topic or it, it might be and so in this case pronouns um but I also think sometimes we err on the side of that a little bit and mm. certainly I know for me like I'm delighted when someone else wants to bring up the pronoun <laughs> thing and I'm delighted when someone else wants to like step in on a comment or you know, or, or just kind of break the ice in some way. And it doesn't have to be me doing it every time. Um, and so I think for allies, like I definitely would encourage it in that way too. Like it can be like really useful and helpful um, to to take on more of that kind of burden conversationally, yes. I guess. Um, and not just leaving it to trans people, even though the desire to leave it to the trans people, I think comes from a really good place. Um, but, you know, there's not that many of us. So it would be great if more people can do it too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think another fear that people have is around if they make a mistake. So what would your advice be to someone if they make a genuine mistake, they use the wrong pronoun or if they're getting used to someone's name changing, if they use the person's dead name by mistake, what would your advice be? Um, first off, it's OK. It's totally fine. Everybody does it. Um, I I know when I change my name and pronouns, I don't think I know a single person who didn't make any mistakes. Everybody does it. Um, I also like did it to myself a lot. You know, <laughs> um, like I never noticed until I changed my name how much I talk to myself in my head mm. and refer to myself by name, weirdly. Um, and so I was probably like nearly the last, one of the last people in my life to make that change internally in my brain. Um, 
And so I guess just to say, like, it's okay. Everybody's, everybody does it. It's okay to make a genuine mistake. But the really important thing is to um, try not to, I guess. Mm-hmm. And when you do make a mistake, I guess, um, I my my number one piece of advice is always just to try to correct yourself. Um, you know, if you notice it in the moment, like say you say you're you start saying the wrong name and then you can correct into the right name. Yeah. Great. And um, if you don't notice it, say you, you use the wrong name and it, it's not like the conversation goes on a little bit and then you're like, oh, my God, just try and throw in the right name so that, you know, you know, and they know and, and everybody kind of it's a little bit acknowledged. Um, I would say, like, sometimes it can be appropriate to apologize and sometimes I don't think it's ne- it's super necessary. I guess if I was one on one with someone, I definitely would apologize, I think. But if I was maybe like in more of a group setting, say, say we're talking about in work. If I was leading a meeting um, and I used someone's wrong name or wrong pronoun, I would definitely correct it. I don't know that I would go into a huge apology or, you know, if you're a teacher, for example, and you're leading with a class. Like, I think sometimes I've known people who a small apology, I think, is great. But I think sometimes people go into like this really big apology because they feel really bad about it. And they make this huge song and dance out of it and call loads of attention to what's just happened. And then also put the onus on that trans person or trans young person in the case of a school to say like, oh no, like it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. When like, actually they might be really upset about it and maybe they don't feel ready to say it's fine, you know? So I think just trying to own it, correct it, small apology, but don't do a big song and dance thing, I think is is best. Um, and then in terms of trying not to make mistakes, I think the best thing to do is to just practice using the name and practice using the pronoun and like just saying it out loud to yourself. Like <laughs> when you have a quiet moment, I guess, you know, is really useful. Um, and, and I think there's definitely, I'm not a psychologist, and I don't, don't know how brains work, but there's definitely something to be said for, you know, um, trying to create that link in your mind, I guess, between that person and that name or that pronoun um, and have it ready kind of at the forefront of your mind. So you're not sort of trying to like dredge it up or remember or correct yourself in the moment when you're talking to that person, you've kind of already made that link. Um, and I know people who sometimes get really nervous around names and pronouns and they almost avoid using any name or pronoun to refer to a person and and I've known teachers who do this for students in their class um, and it doesn't help in the long run it doesn't help in the short run and it certainly doesn't help in the long run either wow. um, and it just sounds really weird so I think just trying to like give yourself permission to make mistakes and and that you might make mistakes for like a few days a few weeks um, and then you know that, that you are making the effort to kind of move through that as much as you can. I completely agree and as you said just quick apology move on don't don't put the burden on the person you have misgendered to be comforting you and make you feel better about the mistake and I completely agree about practicing that's what I found really useful as well just practicing the person's name Mm -hmm. to build up that link in your mind yeah that's really good advice yeah and I think on the like don't like not trying to make a huge apology but then also I've known people who are like oh I'm sorry I just find it so hard I just find it so difficult mm. I just, and it's like okay like sorry do you know like what do you want me to say do you know so I, I think just trying to be conscious a little bit of like that for you you know as as the cis person you know they might be the only trans person that you know um, and so they might be the only person that you know changing their name um, but for them as a trans person like they might have every single person in their life saying oh my god this is so difficult it's so complicated I don't get it I'm so sorry you know whatever and I'm just trying to like own your space a little bit to take responsibility for your space which is to own up to your mistakes and apologize when you do it and correct yourself and practice and move through the mistake making phase as much as you can I think is, is crucial absolutely it's so important just to to put in that effort because that is you're respecting the person you're respecting how they want to be seen and who they are and when you've been trusted with that information it's really important to make that effort yeah Um, definitely and on that (laughs) note I suppose for we do a lot of work with schools and shout outs so what advice would you give to teachers who want to make sure their classroom is a safe space whether that's they want to help support a trans or non-binary student or just generally want to make sure their classroom is inclusive for LGBTQ plus people. What do you think they can do? Um, I guess there's kind of a few things. I I can I obviously, you know, due to the nature of my work, like I can speak the most to the to trans and kind of non-binary inclusion um, within the classroom. I guess there's, there's a few things. Um, one thing that I would think about is um, 
you know, first off, if you have a trans student in your class who say change their name or change their pronoun, like first off, as we said, making the effort with getting the name right, getting the pronoun right. And like, I think especially for teachers, like really recognizing your role as literally a role model that you need to mm -hmm. model the correct use of the name and the correct use of the pronoun for the other students. So it's really, really important teachers get that right. Um, I think the other thing is trying to be conscious of, um, I guess it, it totally depends on, you know, the age group and all that kind of stuff, but being conscious of, um, you know, certain types of language or, you know, bullying that might be happening and um, jokes, comments that can be made. Um, and, and I think trying to be familiar with the kinds of language that would be used in those sorts of settings, um, because it might be different to like specifically homophobic or biphobic bullying um, and, and being able to kind of intervene on that. And I think sometimes um, what we see anyway in Tenny, um, you know, for, for young people who, who come to Tenny and families that come to Tenny is that, um, you know, young people might have, you know, peers in their class or whatever who are making comments to them that teachers don't know or they don't understand kind of what that word means or what the language means. So I think there's a really important piece there around like, being able to to respond to to identify and then to respond to like transphobic jokes comments bullying obviously um and then the other piece that i was thinking of is around kind of more general inclusion within the classroom um and something that i think about a lot um, and that i think comes up a lot is like regendered really language and how we're using gendered language you know so even on i guess trying to think about you know, I always encourage people to just try to pay attention to the language that you're using and just to identify, like, where are you using gendered language? So, like, are you saying, you know, boys and girls? Are you saying ladies and gentlemen? You know, are you saying, um, like, boys go on this side, girls go on that side, like, all that kind of stuff? And can you build in more gender-inclusive language? So, um, you know, I, I know teachers who would use, like, hi, class, hi, folks, hi, everybody, you know, that kind of thing. Um. And, you know, I, th I think in terms of like, I guess it depends on obviously on the makeup of the school and, and the class and everything. But like if you are needing to like segregate by gender, like is it necessary to do that or or could we try to work together a little bit more? Um, so, yeah, that's a kind of a, a wider sort of non-binary inclusion piece, which I think involves like a much larger project of like trying to break down our instinct to categorize people into like one of two boxes, um, um, which is long-term work um but even just trying to identify where we're pulled in that and, and and how we could maybe not do that as much as possible oh that's great and really practical tips that can make a big difference that it's just including everyone in your classroom and recognizing they're there and just simple changes that you can make to language or it's same for broader lgbtq plus inclusion looking at the examples that you're including that yeah. it's representing different kinds of relationships different identities as well so yeah. I think there is a lot to learn there and there are a lot of teachers who are really open to doing that so it's great to be able to give them that advice definitely and there's loads of resources in terms of teaching around this kind of stuff and including it in the classroom the other thing I think as well is I am always I'm very conscious I guess at the moment in particular that there's a real there's a potentially quite hostile environment in terms of LGBT inclusion in schools. Mm. And I think it can be very tempting to ignore and, and, and to, and to, you know, just say, well, I won't touch the LGBT inclusion piece. Then I like, it's too scary. It's too much. It's too mm. emotionally charged. Um, and, and I just would kind of urge people and I'm sure nobody listening to this podcast um, needs to be told <laughs> that, but just to, just to say it's really important at this moment in particular, I think that we, are firm and strong in the commitment that we all make as you know members of society but particularly I think as teachers to like having a holistic inclusion approach within the school and recognizing that like there are going to be LGBT students in your classroom yes. and we need to oh, and on your staff and we need to you know be able to include them and for them to feel represented within their education and you know nothing that anybody says is, is going to change that fact um, and it's just about trying to ensure the best outcomes for everybody um, across their well-being and their development as well as you know their kind of academic outcomes so true and you really can't overstate the importance of having a safe environment like that at school and as you yeah. say there are definitely just because students aren't out in the class doesn't mean that they're not there it's yeah, really important definitely.
Um, so in a lot of discussions around these issues, there's a real focus on gender dysphoria. I'm sure that's something everyone listening has heard. Could you briefly explain what that is and why you think there's such a focus on it? Yeah, so gender dysphoria, I guess, describes the kind of um, like the, the mental or maybe like emotional distress that you might feel when your gender identity is different to the gender that you were assigned that bring your biological sex, whatever you want to say. And um, so I guess it might look like having maybe like a negative relationship with your body or, or certain parts of your body um, and, and maybe wishing that it was different. Um, or, um, you know, again, maybe looking at kind of how people are perceiving you. Like if you are, people are constantly reading you say as male or as female and you don't want that to be happening. Um, that can be very distressing for people. Um, I think the there's so much focus on it, I guess, because it is a very real experience that lots of people have um, and it is something that can can um, I would say is, is very connected with you know issues kind of around maybe anxiety or depression or any other kind of like mental health stuff um, and it is really important that we're able to you know talk about it and recognize it um, and, and hopefully also treat it um, and um, I guess but there's also kind of the, the kind of flip side of that, which is that it's very um, within kind of like medical establishments um, and within kind of the whole sort of medical field. It is um, until very recently and, and still in many places and including in Ireland now, mm. it is kind of the thing that we use to or that doctors would use to decide if someone is or isn't trans is whether they, they have this experience around gender dysphoria. Um, and if you look at kind of the whole medical history of, you know, gender affirming care, it's often based around this idea mm. um, and, and it's based around this idea of, of the patient uh, is presenting um, with, you know, this kind of negative relationship with themselves. They are presenting with other mental health issues. They are presenting with, you know, this really intense need and desire to change maybe their body, I guess, if we're talking about it in a medical sense. Um, and kind of, I think so much of the narrative and that's kind of all within medical piece. And then that has really, really impacted on our uh, narratives and our kind of cultural understanding around mm -hmm. trans people. And if you look at the kinds of stories that get made into movies and the kinds of books and the kinds of memoirs, like a lot of it is based around this kind of narrative of like, I was suffering, I was depressed, I was anxious. I didn't understand it. Then I figured out it's this gender dysphoria thing. I was at like mental and emotional rock bottom in my life and I needed to make some changes. And then I medically transitioned and now everything is great. Sometimes I'm oversimplifying. Um, and so I, I think it's really at the core of our cultural understanding of what being trans is. Um, and I don't like love that um, in, in general. And then it's also mm -hmm. very much at the core of our medical understanding of what being trans is. Um, and again, I think it's something that lots of people do experience, but like not everybody experiences it. Um, and I think we need to be able to talk about being trans without talking about or, or without hinging on the idea of gender dysphoria as well. Um, and so for me, anyway, I certainly like to try and talk as much as I can, any any given opportunity um, about kind of the opposite of that, which is this idea around gender euphoria. Um, and I think as a community, we're kind of trying to talk more and more about that now and to recognize it where it's happening and to say, you know, you might have this really negative relationship with yourself or parts of yourself or whatever it is. But it also might look like on the flip side, you know, having like a euphoric moment or having, you know, joy um in expressing yourself differently say in, in using a different name or like you know dressing differently yeah. or thinking about yourself differently or whatever it is and that's really important and that's really crucial and um, that we're able to kind of find those moments and like lean into those moments and I think you know like if you're not having that like really negative piece it's okay to not be having that mm -hmm. and it's okay to just look for and follow kind of the joy where you find it and I think you know, it doesn't need to be coming from this sort of rock bottom, I can't go on like this kind of way. It's completely fine if it just makes you happy to do that. And I think we should all be trying to live happy and fulfilling lives and to find and follow the things that make us happy. Um, and, and I would see this a lot, particularly, say, for younger people or maybe trans people who are like more recently come out, is that there can be this really very understandable need to like find a label and to have a narrative that fits and sometimes it's really clear and it's 
and it works and that's great. But sometimes that's not the case. And I think, you know, something that I'm constantly trying to say to people, you know, again, maybe earlier on in that in that process yeah. or in that journey is to say, like, you don't need to have it all figured out. Like, you just need to look at the things that are making you happy and do that and do more of that and try to think of your transness or your identity or whatever as something that you do and something that you are and then the the kind of label can follow around that and and we're not trying to fit ourselves into a narrative we're we're creating our own kind of path um and so for me that's always something that I'm trying to talk about is to just say like it's okay to just do the things that make you happy like it's completely fine to do that and if you want to change your name or change your pronouns or whatever like it's okay um and it doesn't you know I I I had a I had a friend a few years ago who, you know, I was talking and, and obviously I use they pronouns and they were like, oh, well, you know, I'd really like to use they pronouns, but I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't need it in the way that you need it. Like it doesn't feel, you know, com- like super urgent for me. And I don't want to like detract from anybody else and I don't detract from you kind of. And I was like, well, and it just, it really struck me because on one hand you can use they pronouns, like there's enough they pronouns for everybody to have one and it's completely fine it's not like a finite resource right it's okay you you doing this does not detract from me at all um it actually probably adds to my experience um but on the other hand I I think it kind of didn't strike me until afterwards but like there is something in that I think of like if you don't feel that your experience is fitting in with this narrative of you know it's a it's a really burning need and it's really really intense and it's the the driving element of my personality that's okay. Like it doesn't need to be for some people. It is that, but for some people, it's like it might just make you happier to do that, and it might just feel a bit more right. It might not feel like this is one hundred percent correct. In my experience, in my life, very little feels like that. But it's just about doing the things that feel like the most correct for you, and the most relevant, and the most affirmative as well, or affirming. I love that, and I think it's so important to have that focus on gender euphoria and. I was at a workshop you gave, um, one of the Tenny workshops, and I loved hearing you talk about gender euphoria. And that's why I invited you to be on the podcast. And I think as well from my own perspective as a part of the community, as a lesbian, seeing that joy reflected is so important. I feel growing up, there were a lot of really stories of tragedy and stories of people having these awful times coming out and being rejected and while it's really important to focus on those stories and to focus on gender dysphoria and the anxiety and the depression that a lot of trans people go through I think we also need to look at the joy and particularly for young people to give a sense of hope and a sense that things will get better and things can improve so in terms of focusing more on gender euphoria what do you think we can do to change not necessarily to change that narrative but to show as you said the flip side to the narrative and to show that joy in expressing yourself and affirming your own gender I guess um you know I I think it's just um trying to be around other trans people more honestly um you know something that I think particularly maybe for, well, I don't know, I guess maybe for younger people, but I'm probably just thinking about my own experiences, I guess. And it's been a minute since I was a young person. So <laughs> I don't know how much things have changed. And, and certainly I guess young people are growing up with the internet much more than I was. But I think, um, you know, something that has been really helpful for me um, when I've been maybe stuck in a little bit of a, a rut or kind of really struggling has just trying, been trying to like build community with other trans people and to and I say I say build community and what I mean is like make friends <laughs> really there I guess um, and and just trying to like have other trans people in your life as much as you can and I think um it does a great job of sort of trying to get you out of your head a little bit and to you know um remind us all that like we are at the end of the day all just people and we all have like other parts of our personalities that are really important um but also that I think sometimes we we think about all this stuff and it's really easy to get really wrapped up in it and that it's all like it can feel really almost like life or death sometimes um and I think just trying to diffuse some of that um by having more like relaxed community friendship 
you know, uh, like love kind of spaces, I guess, really um, goes a long way towards like not only helping us all to, you know, stay grounded and and remind ourselves that like it, it's okay and we're all people and we can all kind of get along. Um, but also I think to, and for me, what was really important and what I try and get at is, is to give all of us like a window into like imagining a, a future for ourselves um, and looking at how other people are living um, and I think again, particularly maybe for younger people, and to and to see that like that there is actually a possible future, and there are you can totally imagine like other ways of living that you know are different to what other people want for you or or what you might mm -hmm. see. So, and I guess kind of if you are maybe early on in in coming out, like you kind of have this path or this vision for yourself that maybe feels like less possible now or less real. You know, particularly if you were looking at whatever like totally changing it, it, i think sometimes coming out as trans like involves you or like requires you to like reimagine your whole life um in, in a lot of really intense ways um and so i guess like sometimes it feels like that path is being closed off and you don't know what else is out there and when so much of the cultural narrative and like the film and the tv as you said it's really like depressing um and you know again and i know it is for trans people and certainly for lesbians too like how many films are there where the lesbian character dies and it's just like <laughs> is that what happens to lesbians I don't know you know and I think that it's like it's like well that you know that shapes what we can imagine for ourselves in a major way and what you see for trans people is that it's like difficult and depressing and it's rejection and it's breakups and it's you know whatever and and I think just trying to like get out of that space too and get into like other actual real life hanging out with trans people um and get off getting off the internet a little bit as well and yeah. you know just trying to remind ourselves that like we we have space for each other all the time um and um and I think it, as I said it can be really really grounding but I think it can also um be really affirmative and give you space to like express yourself in a way that does feel like real and authentic and to have that hopefully hopefully if you have good people in your life you have to have that celebrated as well um and I think it can feel, um, and I think I was saying something a little bit earlier about it, but like it can feel really vulnerable to be stepping into mm -hmm. a new form of self-expression. Um, and especially, you know, if you're not like super confident in it, for sure. And I think being able to have other trans people around you as you do that can feel really useful so that you're not necessarily feeling like you're doing that. You're, you're expressing yourself. And also representing like all trans people and also trying to advocate for yourself with everyone in your yeah. life, like all that kind of stuff at once. But to to say like that you have space for other people to support you in that, um, you know, and to say like, hey, your hair looks great or your dress looks great or like that looks wonderful or like, you know, whatever. Um, and hopefully you have people in your life who can do that, I guess. So just trying to like, I think there's a piece around like nurturing the joy in yourself and that um, in my experience anyway, it's hard to do that in isolation um so trying to like create bonds as much as you can I guess and um, with other people and there's loads of ways of doing that and loads of community groups and stuff going on you know all around Ireland um, to, to get involved in definitely whatever I think whatever interests you have you can find different groups whether that's there's different sports teams book clubs choirs that you can meet other yeah. people with your same interests but also as you said who are going through that same experience that you don't feel alone and they can help with that affirmation and help you navigate that journey because really you know even though I have friends who have transitioned I can't imagine what that change must be like as you said it's a really vulnerable time it's a really brave and big step to take and so much change all at once so having other people around you who do understand that because hopefully people who are listening to this you do have supportive people around you but it's a whole different level when there's someone who can understand it and who's been through it as well yeah a really very wise friend of mine um once told me as I was early in my own transition um you know and she told me that like one of the biggest things that we need to get over as trans people early on is the fear of being trans and I had never heard it articulated like that before. And it really struck me and it really stayed with me that that's what, and I was afraid, I was afraid of being trans and I was afraid of the vulnerability and I was afraid to start really transitioning because I was afraid that people would know that I was trans and they would have their own conceptions about that. And I would have my own conceptions and all that kind of stuff. And And that's kind of the piece that for me, I guess what I'm trying to say around like, 
just trying to like have other trans people where you're not necessarily needing to, you know, be, uh, I, I think what the trans people um, understand that you are not maybe finished, complete, fully formed, and that you're in that kind of growth phase. Um, and they don't, you're not, as I said, representing transness to them in the way that you maybe are with like other people in your life who are not trans. Um, and, and I just think that it's, it's really important. And, and what helped me through that was, you know, that friend of mine and she was trans and like other trans friends and just being able to recognize the fears and the worries that I was having um, with other people and to know that I wasn't the first ever person to experience that and to see through my friends like other ways of living and that yeah it was going to be okay <laughs> not to not to fall on that it's going to be okay cliche but you know it was and it did turn out to be okay for me so far <laughs> well that's that's really good to hear and it's a really important part and I think yeah, seeing other people, seeing their journeys, seeing the possibilities out there is really affirming. Yeah, yeah that's so, great. As my final question, are there any resources that you would recommend? So whether it's for people who are transitioning or for people who want to be allies, whether that's friends or teachers? Yeah, loads, I guess. Um, there's a few kind of resources around... I guess like learning about trans stuff generally that I would recommend um and they are all uh things that I have learned a lot from as a trans person um so my number one recommendation for like learning about how what being trans means and how it can like feature in someone's life and particularly about how like kind of the wider social processes around it I guess is a book which came out in I think 2020 um, called The Transgender Issue um, by a British trans woman called Sean Fay and um, it's really wonderful um, it is written in like I think really accessible language and it kind of looks at sort of this sort of um, it's, it's a kind of wider sort of social analysis piece around looking at sort of transphobia or discrimination or healthcare or legislation in a UK context um, but lots of it is relevant for Ireland as you talk loads about Ireland in the book as well um, so I think it's a really great and I as I said I, I learned a lot from it and it was useful kind of for me even as a trans person to be able to sort of the way she puts things together and frames things is really great um, there's also a um, there is also a documentary on Netflix or at least made by Netflix um, it probably comes on and off Netflix as most things do but um, called Disclosure that came out a few years ago and um, again, like drawing on a lot of stuff that I've been saying around, like trying to challenge the sort of cultural narratives and looking at like how we portray being trans in film and in TV and what, you know, we get wrong about that and how that influences how we think about transness, you know, and the trans people in our lives and, you know, what happens when those kinds of narratives build up around a, a really minority and marginalized population. And um, so I recommend Disclosure on Netflix for sure. Um, and then the other one, I guess, is maybe a little bit more niche, but um, there's a podcast um, that I really enjoy. Um, it's called The Feminist Present, and they it's a kind of it's a podcast about feminism. There's two hosts, and they have guests on, um, and they did a whole series of episodes on like transness as such, but kind of specifically, I guess, around the, what they're calling the trans moral panic and how trans issues are being kind of stirred up and stoked up in social discourse and specifically how they are often being like transness is is framed as um in direct conflict with feminism and you know they're making the point that like that is not at all the case and it doesn't need to be the case um and i found it really useful a little bit harrowing at times and um, very us based but really yeah great i think if you're wanting to have that kind of wider look at transness in society as a whole I would recommend those things and then I guess you know for that's for general learning I guess for homework um for <laughs> teachers there's loads of resources I think for teachers um I guess at all level I mean we so Tenny does we do training um for teachers we do um, teacher training um across like primary and post-primary um and like youth reach and further ed and like everywhere mm -hmm. um so there you can you can have staff training from Tenny um, you could also, and uh, you can also reach out to Tenny with any queries of anything that's coming up within the school, as well. Um, you know, if you're looking at developing a policy or reviewing a policy that's already in place, or 
um, you know, if there's any kind of specific issues that are happening within the school, you can always reach out to Tenny. Um, we are available to you as a resource, um, you know, and, and obviously shout out is as well. Um, so please do feel free. But um, yeah, I guess just to uh, just to say, I guess that we're it's an it's an open door kind of policy um, for teachers with Tenny. And please do reach out if there's ever anything that we can do. You can not to plug the website, but the website is www.teni.ie um, and all of our contact details and everything are on there so just please you know, reach out anytime with any questions um, and we can look at training and policy and guidance and information and support and everything. It's brilliant. It's great to have resources from a range of different media and I yeah. completely agree about the transgender issue. It's such a fantastic book um, yeah. and I would also highly recommend the, the Tenny workshops. We also have a resource page on the Shoutout website specifically about trans and non-binary resources that might be useful to teachers. So thank you so much, Dara, for joining me today and for all that you've shared with us, particularly for sharing personal insights into your journey and your own experiences. I really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who's listened. And if you enjoyed this episode, I think that you might enjoy a couple of other episodes that have been in the shout out series so far. So there is episode seven, Challenges, Misinformation and Queer Joy in the Intersex Community, which featured guests Adi Berry and Clara Berry from Intersex Ireland. And episode eight, LGBTQ plus educators and inclusive education with guests Hilary Egan and Sean Odufkan. And to keep up to date with all the latest news from Shoutout, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If you have a suggestion for a future episode or would like to be a guest, you can contact us by email at team at shoutout.ie or on social media. Thank you so much and take care. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Shoutout Listen In. And we hope that you will continue to join us on this new venture by tuning in to our upcoming episodes. Massive thank you to Elaine May for her uplifting music contribution, Tall Tales Podcasts for their support in producing this podcast, and a huge thank you to all the shout-out volunteers, guests, and contributors who helped bring this podcast to all major podcast platforms, and who continue to inspire and educate in schools across the country. If you would like to request a workshop, donate, become a volunteer, or find out more information about Shoutout, head over to shoutout.ie. We would be so grateful if you could take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. It will help us bring you more episodes of Shoutout Listen In.